गुरुर्ब्रह्मा गुरुर्विष्णुर्गुरुदेव महेश्वर गुरु साक्षात पारब्रह्मा तस्मय श्री गुरवे नमः I bow to my guru in himself in the infinite and also in all of you I'm your humble servant I'm only here to help him in his name and I would like to read from a book called Conversations with Yogananda This is saying number or conversations number 10 sometimes what he said was very brief sometimes it was quite long and uh, fortunately he gave me the grace to remember because i didn't know shorthand but on this occasion he talked a little bit longer it was a beautiful talk let me read it to you toward the end of the master's life he experienced a prolonged illness one afternoon when he had begun to come out of his quarters again he was getting into his car i and another monk were helping him You are getting better sir I exclaimed gratefully who is getting better the master's tone was impersonal I meant your body sir I knew of course that he had no attachment to it to him however the very distinction was superficial what's the difference he asked the wave belongs entirely to the ocean from which it protrudes this is god's body if he wants to make it well all right If he wants to keep it unwell, all right. It is wisest to be impartial. If you have health but are attached to it, you will always be afraid of losing it. And if you fear that loss but become ill, you will suffer. Why not remain forever joyful in the self? Man's greatest problem is his ego, his consciousness of individuality. Whatever happens to him he thinks it affects him personally why be affected you are not this body you are he everything is he all is spirit unfortunately mankind sees everything as separate and individual the lord had to create that appearance ask yourself however why Why is this a tree and you a human being? The answer is simple. Without that variety there would be no play. It wouldn't interest you. If people saw that there was only one essence in everything, painting all the scenes, directing all the action, and acting all the parts, they would quickly tire of it. For the show to go on there has to be activity, interest. it all has to seem real hence this appearance of individuality as long as man enjoys the play for its own sake he will go on birth after birth experiencing life's pleasures and pains the bhagavad gita describes it as a wheel constantly turning to get off the wheel you have to desire freedom very intensely then only will god release you your longing has to be fervent if it is and if you are determined no more to want to play the lord has to release you he tries to keep you here with tests but in his higher aspect as the cosmic lover 
He hates this show and wants you out of it. Why shouldn't he release you once he sees that you really want him alone and not his show, that you want only freedom in him? The same essence, conscious life, is in you and in that tree over there. The tree, however, was put there, whereas some free will on your part made you who and what you are. Only the wise know just where the predestination ends and free will begins. Meanwhile, you must keep on doing your best according to your own clearest understanding. You must long for freedom as the drowning man longs for air. Without sincere longing, you will never find God. Desire him above everything else. Desire him that you may share him with all. That is the greatest wish. And try, meanwhile, to rise above the pairs of opposites, pleasure and pain, heat and cold, sickness and health. Free yourself from the consciousness of individuality, of being separate from everyone and everything else. Keep your mind steadfastly fixed on him, Remain inwardly as unaffected as the motionless spirit that you want to become. He alone is what you really are. His bliss alone is your true nature. You know, one of the most fascinating things that my guru used to explain was that God is that which everybody in the world wants. It's not enough to define God as omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, all those words that we use to sort of push him away from us. The thing that all of us want is bliss. This is what Avi Shankaracharya taught. Satchidanandam. We all are seeking the eternal bliss of our own being. Now you think that you're going to find bliss. <laughs> well, you think it's bliss. When you go out and have a good meal, that's not bliss. You eat too much and you get unhappy. You eat enough, you get sleepy. You don't eat enough, you're unhappy. You're, no matter how well you've eaten, afterwards you find you can't concentrate so well on things because your stomach is busy digesting your food. And worst of all, whatever pleasure you got from eating is gone. All pleasures come and go. Life is a series of ups and downs. It's always changing. And what was happy today can seem again unhappy tomorrow, depending on its contexts. Pleasure, however, is really only counterfeit happiness. And what people are saying, and this is something that Yogananda wrote in a, another book. This is actually uh, a book of his, although I wrote it. Now, that may seem like cheating, but here's how it happened. That uh, he wrote a book when he, was, when he was in Japan as a young man. Coming back from Japan, he had the inspiration for a book, but he didn't know English well enough at that time. He was a Bengali. And I always say, because my, he's my spiritual father, I am Bengali. Anyway, he wrote an outline of this, this uh, ideas that he had for a book, and then he asked a friend of his, 
to expand them into a, a book in English. And it was the friend who put the thoughts into words, but the thoughts were masters. And therefore, it was really his book. He called it The Science of Religion. Well, the truth is that although the truths in that book were wonderful, the writing was not wonderful. It was kind of too heavy, too pedantic, too scholarly. And so I was presumptuous enough, and I hope I didn't do wrong. In fact, I felt his blessings all the time while I was writing it. I rewrote it and called it this book, God is for Everyone. And in this book, I point out, or I should say, my master pointed out, that pleasure is really only counterfeit happiness. You're not really happy when you're being when you're having something pleasurable. It's taking away a pain, the pain of hunger, let's say, or other kinds of pain. That's all that pleasure really amounts to. You pinch your finger, your hand like this, and finally you let go. Oh, it feels so good. Why? Because it no longer hurts. Well, that's more or less what pleasure is all about. So people really, what they're really looking for is happiness. But happiness, too, is only counterfeit bliss. Think of a typical scene, which I mentioned also in this, this book, and I have to say I'm very happy with that book. I hope you buy it sometime. God is for everyone. Think of people, of sort of a common dream that many people have, of a beautiful cottage by the sea. They can retire and listen to the waves and watch the seagulls circling and see the breeze blowing the roses on their rose-colored trellis and a lovely garden with bees going around, sort of whooping it up among the flowers. And in the evening you sit and talk with your friends and you think you're happy. Yes, of course you're happy. Partly that happiness is just no longer feeling the strain of having to work to make it possible. But now just imagine one year of that, great. Five years of that, oh, well, okay. Ten years? At a certain point, I think you'll begin to feel that it's getting a little dull. Boreness is not boring. Boredom is not happiness. And most people's happiness or dreams of happiness is something static. You don't want that. After 10 years or so, at least, you'll find yourself thinking, well, will somebody just hit me on the head to see if I'm still alive? The bliss we're talking about when we talk of God's bliss is not something that well, you've removed all troubles, you've removed all obstacles, you don't have any difficulties, no ups and downs, you're peaceful. No, that's passive peace, that's not peace, that's not joy, that's not happiness. You know what really happens is that when you remove all these outward conditions, including happiness, which is a condition on your real state of mind, when you go back to who you really are, then you know that bliss is something dynamic. As Yogananda translated Satchitanandam into English, ever-existing, ever-conscious, ever-new bliss. It's constantly new. It never tires. You know, you've been in that all these, God knows how many billions of years, you've been wandering in delusion. One time I asked my guru, have I been your disciple for, well, I was horrified to think of it, but somebody that had a vision of being with him thousands of years ago. And I thought, my God, thousands of years? I said, 
Sir, have I been your disciple for thousands of years? He said, it's been a long time, that's all I'll say. Well, just think how long it can take. Why waste all that time? You could be blissful all that time. But the trouble is, why aren't you? Because you think, well, tomorrow I'll get this, then I'll be happy. Tomorrow I'll get rid of that, then I'll be happy. Tomorrow I'll fulfill this dream, then I'll be happy. Tomorrow I will, if only people think all the time, if only I had met this woman, if only I had met that man, if only I had gotten this job, if only I had not missed that opportunity, if only I can just get success in this field, and each time they get it, but you look at the people who have those things, are they happy? I've met people on every level of society, from the richest to the poorest. And I have to say that to some extent the poorest are the happiest. They don't have the expectation of something more, and so they're happy in themselves. I'll never forget in Bucharest, years ago, I was just a child, nine years old, and we were going to go skating, and there were these little beggar children, and when they saw us, they, they came up to us, they had a plea in Romania, I hadn't eaten for three days, weeping tears, and I felt so badly for them, so I gave them a few coins, and we went and skated for a couple of hours, and we came out, we saw these same children in the street laughing joyfully, playing, having a great time. As soon as they saw me, ah, they put on this big act, but you know, inside you could see it in their eyes. They were really very happy people. I've seen a lot of happiness among the poor people of India. I was in Italy years ago giving a lecture, and somebody was translating my talk, and uh, I was saying, speaking, showing slides of the Indians, how some of them are poor, but I've seen happiness here that I haven't seen everywhere else. And when I, she translated the word poor, she said miserabile. Well, I knew that wasn't the right word. I said not miserabile, poveri. They were poor, they were happy, they weren't miserable. Well, we equate more in the West than here, but it tends to be a human nature to equate lack with suffering. If it's lack, sure, it's suffering, but that's because it's a consciousness of lack. Wealth does not mean having money. Wealth means having what you want. When King Alexander of Greece came here to India, and he heard about the yogis of India, and he was sort of fascinated by them, and he sent a message to some yogi who lived in a forest under a bed of, on a bed of leaves under the trees, and he said to him, he sent the message to him that, the king wants to see you, and if, he, if you come, he will shower you with wealth, but if you don't, he'll just take your head off. And the yogi was thinking, well, this is a pretty presumptuous thing on the part of the king. He said, if he wants my head, he can have it. That's no use to me. I've accomplished what I've come into this body to accomplish. If I have something the king wants, let him come to me. He was rich. The king realized that and came to him. There was another story of that same king who went to Diogenes, so the legend has it at least, that he lived in a tub. He was a complete renunciate. And the king said, is there anything I can do for you? And Diogenes said, yes, your majesty, if you will just step a little bit to the right, your shadow is casting a shadow on me, and I'm a little chilly, 
Just step out of the sun. That's all he wanted. We don't need anything if we have ourselves. You are rich in yourself if you don't lack anything. And you are poor if there's anything that you feel I must have in order to be happy. Namaste. The secret of laughter lies in the laughing, not in the search for joy. It's a swallow winging on the wind, it's innocence in a boy. Joy will come to anyone whose soul has learned to fly. soul has learned to fly. Joy in the singing, not in the songs unwelcome, but never crave. If you think that laughter lies in things, to things you'll be but a slave. Joy will come to anyone whose soul has learned to fly. And you'll never sing You could win the world And still be poor Win peace and live like a king Joy will come to anyone Whose soul has learned to fly Joy will come to anyone Whose soul has learned to fly Sing when the sun shines, sing when the rain falls, sing when your road seems strange. In a tempest seize the lightning flash and ride the winds of change. Joy will come to anyone whose soul has learned to fly. Joy will come to anyone.